0: The following podcast is about a movie that's rated R. As a result, it does include some salty language. If your ears are sensitive, or if the ears of those around you are sensitive, please use caution while listening to this episode. The Inconquerable Podcast Number 17
1: for December 2010
0: House high atop Nakatomi Power. It's the Incomparable Podcast. I am your host, Jason Snell.
1: We are uh joined today by Steve Lutz. Hello, Steve. Hello. And Dan Morin. I like to think of myself as the uh the John McClane to your Hans Gruber, if you will. <laughs> oh, do you
0: now? And then who's Steve? Is he like Samuel L. Jackson from Die Hard with a Vengeance? I am Reginald
2: Vell Reg- Johnson and don't yeah. you forget it. All right.
1: Yeah, he's yeah.
0: And playing playing the part of Argyle, trapped in the basement in the parking garage, <laughs> is Greg Noss, who says he'll join us but is out buying a Christmas tree now. Tis the Appropriate. Season. Appropriate. That's right. There's a there's a, a Christmas tree in Die Hard. So the topic today, if you haven't guessed already, <laughs> is the classic heartwarming holiday film Die Hard from nineteen eighty eight starring Bruce Willis. Now, whoo you, you may be saying, how in the world is Die Hard a, a, a Christmas movie? And in fact, I was taken aback on Twitter the other week when Dan Morin declared boldly that Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Dan, explain yourself.
1: Uh, well, I mean, first of all. I mean, obviously, since Die Hard takes place at Christmas, that is what gives it its, its Christmas flavor. But it's not just like a, a backdrop, like, oh, yeah, Christmas, that's uh, sort of part of it. I mean, Christmas plays a pretty, a pretty crucial role in this entire plot, not only from the premise, but also, you know, the, uh, the, the very resolution. In fact, the climax of the whole film is due to, to uh, wrapping materials. So you know, I think I think it is intrinsically a Christmas movie, and some people may may point to you know tape. It's, I might it, add, yes, it, it, it's a wonderful Christmas-only wrapping materials known
2: as tape. <laughs> yes. Yeah, tape no, is Christmas available specific. at other times.
1: I yeah. believe it is Christmas-themed tape, though.
2: It does say Christmas greetings or something on it, as I recall. I'm just yes. I'm just saying, but you tape know. nonetheless.
1: Yeah, but you don't just have ta- like, like wrapping tape sitting around. Come on, come on. Okay,
0: All so right. so let's start this from the beginning. John McClane. New York cop. He's a cop on the edge, and he's flying. He's flying in to LAX with his with his gun on his person, uh, in order to see his estranged wife, who is now going by her maiden name.
2: Um, and yet, strange due to his own failings, incidentally, right? Right which is key.
0: Right that that uh, she got this great job offer, and he was unsupportive, and uh, and so. And so she took the job and brought the kids and came to L.A. And he stayed back in New York. Um, What I think is interesting is that Holly, his wife, uh, played by Bonnie Bedelia, is uh, a little surprised to see him. Which I never quite understood how she was surprised to see him. And yet, apparently, Mr. Takagi, her boss, had sent a limousine to pick up his, his VP's...
1: Estranged husband. Okay, okay. She, I got the like, airport. Coming. Yeah, she knows he's coming, but like she doesn't expect him to come to the party. To the party. So I think Takagi basically intercepts him, like hearing he's going to be in town, and it's like, oh, I'll send a limo and bring him to the party. But it is true you that Mister Takagi
0: is sort of like Mister, uh, kind of romantic setup guy, where he's like, oh, I'll send a,
1: I'll send a limousine yeah, to the you airport. See where that gets, around. I mean, With Argyle I mean, about you know through about the first fifteen minutes, this could be a romantic comedy. Hmm. Right, you know, there's there's sort of a pivot point there at one point.
0: Well, there there is the then there's the scene where we see Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, and then it's not a it's well. It's I mean, I I want to point out
1: that 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 I think one of the things that makes Die Hard such a great movie, and this is just you know an overall thing, is that it has got a super tight script. Like it's one of those scripts that sort of perfectly follows that whole pattern of like here or when your your beats come. Because like, really, like fifteen minute mark rolls around, and that's the first time you see like the the truck that like all the villains are coming in like driving down the street um and everything in it is like really paced and really um you know really tight there's a there's an economy, all the stuff that you need to know that is like set up in the first fifteen minutes um things are alluded to ahead of time like there's 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 an economy in the script of everything that you need to know is is mentioned at some point um and so there's not a lot of like oh that came out of left field or or stuff like that there, there there's a lot of a lot of setup for it and it's really well done and there's not a lot of extraneous material like that whole long speech i just gave which was full of extraneous material
2: <laughs> and yet it's a, it's a, it's not a short film for
1: all of that but it feels like it goes by darn fast
0: oh yeah I think it yeah, runs, I was what, about
1: two hours and 15 or something? Yeah, it's about two and a quarter. I was watching it with my... I actually convinced my parents to watch it the other night, which was a kind of interesting sort of coup. But, uh, you know, we, we, we watched about an hour of it while my mother was decorating the Christmas tree. And then after dinner, we're going back. It's like, oh, how much is left? Like, like half an hour, 45 minutes? I'm like,
3: uh, actually, like an hour and a quarter left.
1: <laughs> and she's like, really? It's like, well, we only just got to, like, this point.
0: One of the things that I find funny about this movie is that there are these strange... Um, characters that are, are Have a small part to play And um, I think in a, a lot of modern movies and Especially action movies First off you would see the villain even earlier um, mm-hmm. But you would also not Have these characters that kind of pop in And then pop away again um, And I'm thinking particularly About uh, There's
1: Al The, uh, sure. the sergeant who, who doesn't even show up For like 45 minutes an hour Yeah
0: Yeah yeah, and he only has the one scene with Bruce Willis. Um the yeah. rest of it he's, you know, in the parking lot with uh, the FBI guys and and the
2: and with the, def- the cavalcade of 80s dickhead actors.
0: Yes, Deputy Police Chief Dwayne T. Robinson.
2: That's right. <laughs> and the incomparable uh, William Atherton who is well, fantastic as well. Well, I was going to
0: say the yes, the incomparable William Atherton. He joins us now from, no. <laughs> um yeah, so William Atherton, he's another one of these characters that sort of like doesn't show up for a long time. Um, William Atherton okay let's 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 stop for a second William Atherton this man is like the home <laughs> run hitter of of jerk villain figures in 80s movies and this is like his I guess this is sort of the capper because previously he appeared in ghostbusters as mm-hmm. as Walter Peck the EPA man um yes it's true this man has no dick
2: that's right.
0: And, and my personal favorite um, and also uh, one of my personal favorite films of all time, Real Genius, where he plays right. Jerry Hathaway, the science professor who gets his students to develop death rays for the government
2: while he's hosting a public TV show. In, in, uh, in which, by contrast, he could actually hammer a six-inch spike through a board with his dick, which yeah, is a very a stretch different, for him.
0: That's – yeah, so you'll hammer later. Yeah. Um, and in this, he's the vain TV reporter, and he reprises his role, I guess, in, in Die Hard 2. But yeah. um, boy, uh, that guy, I, really, I mean, well, he, uh, what, a, what a fantastic actor doing a uh, just a, a series of horrible, horrible characters so well. Well, I He's mean great.
1: and and you match that in with with Paul Gleason who plays Dwayne T. Robinson who also is the principal in the Breakfast Club I believe. You mess with the bull you get the horns. <laughs> I mean what a great combo right there and again oh, two God, characters yeah. who don't, who I don't think interact at all in Die Hard but like they're kind of like a one two punch. Oh uh, it
2: doesn't get better than that. It, it reminds me of my dream of a of a sitcom involving uh, Norman Fell and Vic Tayback as mismatched roommates. It's just, <laughs> it just doesn't get better than that.
0: Yeah, we also have the FBI man.
1: Uh, Agent and Johnson lot. and Special Agent Johnson. No relation. no relation.
2: The Johnsons. Sure.
0: I mean,
1: what great characters, though, because, you know, of course, they show up very late in the film, and they have kind of a, you know, climactic, if sort of, um, I don't know what the right word is for their exit, um, but they have, which is the best line in the entire film, to my mind, well, I guess we're going to need some more FBI guys. <laughs>
0: Right, right, because they decide to take a ride on the helicopter. It's just is, like Vietnam. eh, is, slick. I was in junior up. high school. We we may we may end up just <laughs> quoting dialogue from this movie. That would be bad. It's <laughs>
1: extremely well written, though. I mean, like that for for okay. it's kind of the seminal like you know action movie, right? I
2: mean,
0: well, certainly, right? It, it is the model because there were how many movies that were Die well, Hard, Die on, Hard
1: on a
2: bus, and Die Hard
1: yeah, on what, a boat. I was and,
2: trying to think uh, earlier today what. Really came before that was similar to Die Hard. I mean, was it really a, a turning point for action? Well, did you films? have things
1: like like the the Poseidon Adventure and like well, sure you had, know, had Rambo but, uh, films with huge set pieces and, and the, the, the Towering Inferno, you know,
0: kind of yeah. But you also had the action movies like Rambo or or Predator or you know things like that that were you know action movies. But but
1: Die I mean, Hard and, it, and you can point to cop movies like like Bullet or Dirty Harry, you know, for a certain type of it. But this yeah. isn't really a like a cop movie right like he's not doing anything a cop would do he's just the wrong guy in the wrong place
2: right so, and he's very much an everyman whereas you know you look at something like rambo it's this this guy who can take out entire villages with his
1: right teeth. i mean that whole point where he's like you know i loved you know the first time i remember seeing this and i love the whole thing with where you get a certain way into the film and then really realize the he's been running around with no shoes for the last hour <laughs> And then, of course, the scene where they shoot the broken glass out to try and prevent him from shooting the glass
0: running across. She's (laughs) a It's more so. Speaking of bad German, this the the other thing that this movie has in common with Raiders of the Lost Ark. In addition to the bad German, (laughs) is um, while I was watching it, I, I, I realized that Bruce Willis in this movie, does a lot of the same things that, that Harrison Ford does in Raiders of the Lost Ark. These are heroes mm-hmm. who are kind of reluctant and get their butts kicked and are in pain and are not having a good time.
1: They're vulnerable, right? Absolutely. They're not, they're not Superman at all.
0: No, that's one of the great things about it is that John McClane is out of sorts. And even though he does these kind of super heroic things and he's smart, you know, he also does some things where he almost dies. And in hindsight, he
1: realizes we're bad ideas. But he's well, I love the scenes where he talks to himself. Like the my favorite scene being when he's on the roof um, and he ties the fire hose around himself. And he's like sort talking to himself. What the fuck are you doing, John? You know? <laughs> yeah. And
0: there's the scene where he's down in the – um in the the vents of course
1: because there are always vents um this and, must be this must be the seminal vent movie at least right the crawling wow. through the, through the vents
0: there's some like, good <laughs> vent action in this one
1: <laughs> it's like diehard in a building
0: yeah it is it is well I, I i laughed when i saw the credits roll and i saw that i think jan de bont is the cinematographer on this movie director of photography who went on to direct speed, speed, right? speed which is Die Hard on a bus more or less Right, pretty much. Yeah, with fewer vents. <laughs> yes, yes, but more windows. And Although he does
2: make quite a bit of just... use of uh, floor panels in that film, so I think floor panels were the new vents. Right. by Whenever Speed came out,
0: that's a that's a that's good knowledge there. Uh, yeah. One of the um, so the, so there's the holiday party that's happening. Uh, very 80s. One of the things I noticed watching it again um, last week is that it's very 80s in its attitude toward um sort of the American attitude toward the world in the 80s, which was that everything was going to be about the Germans and the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so in this – in the future belonged to the Germans and the Japanese. So in this movie, we have the giant Japanese firm run by the guy from Japan, even though he went to Harvard and yada, yada, yada. We get the whole backstory before he gets killed. And the Germans are the robbers and they're the bad guys. But it's this – um I was sitting there thinking, well yeah, in 1988 we thought that that was what the 21st century was going to be. It's oh, we're very forward thinking. It's going to all be about the Germans and the Japanese, which didn't happen. Um you know,
2: so it's very 80s. They got the they got the Christmas party going on. Well, it doesn't get much more 80s than the Japanese guys saying, "We got you with tape decks." <laughs> <laughs> another great line. There will be a day very soon when no one knows what the hell that means. Some nice Alice,
0: another character who is interesting, and he he's got a lot of a lot of cocaine going on. So that's the '80s right there. Or so I um, hear.
1: I, speaking of speaking of t- the Takagi, though, is an interesting point in terms of he's sort of the flip side of a lot of the other characters, and that we get a whole lot up like about him up front, right? Yeah, and he gets shot like half an hour into the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's the Janet Leigh of the film.
0: Yeah, it's yes. or, it's horrifying. <laughs> oh, Takagi, um, he's going to be important. No,
1: not so much. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy that we, we're supposed to believe all he can't get shot because he's he's got this much, you know, he's got all this backstory, right? And well, he exists just he to makes, tell us how ruthless uh, right, Hans, Hans is. is.
0: Right, but um, so one of the things that surprised me about this, when you watch it back knowing what's going to happen, you can sort of see how they're setting this up. But I, I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I always thought was clever about Die Hard was the fact that you are set up to believe that the bad guys are terrorists right. who want to do you know do create a terrorist incident and that's what they're all about they're a radical left-wing terrorist group and uh and in fact they um end up doing that with the cops and using that
1: to their advantage but you discover that they're just thieves and you discover was, I discover that very early I, on yeah actually. i was, yeah. Surpri- I was surprised really nice about flip. that going back too in that like we the audience find that out a lot earlier than i remembered it's it's pretty upfront in the movie. I mean, like the, obviously the rest of the characters are sort of kept in the dark and are figuring it out, but we as the audience are already in on that fairly early on in the movie.
0: But there's a really nice moment where the where where there's that realization of you know you guys are just you know criminals. You're just thieves. You're not you don't stand for anything. But they still I'm play an exceptional it out. thief. Yeah.
1: I, I but it 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 also provides great moments for for Rickman to really. I I love the scene where he's. Demanding the release of all the political prisoners, and he just starts naming these guys, and he goes, "Oh yes, and my friends in the Asian Dawn." And then one of the lieutenants looks at him and goes, "Asian Dawn, like Asian." I read about them in Time Magazine. (laughs) Like that's what a great. I must have
0: missed sixty minutes. There's lots of those kind (laughs) of uh, obviously uh, Hans Gruber, who I almost called John Gruber. There, by the way, Hans Gruber is um, is uh, very savvy about about American culture. As he uh, as he steals the bearer bonds from the vault that is being protected by eight seals, seven of which are apparently operated by a Max Headroom's computer.
2: <laughs> I mean it was the eighties, everybody had Max Headrooms. Which can computer, be thwarted right. with some variety of large industrial drill.
0: Yes. Yes, and a, and, a, and and digits. Although again, in that you've got the very clever build up where there's that last
1: one and he keeps saying it, oh, the last one! I can't do anything about the last one. It, it, it you know. Well, and, and they tell you very early on, like the power—it has to be the cut. The power has to be cut, and it can't be done locally. Yeah, like that's set up in the first, like, like five minutes that the that the bad guys appear.
0: And then you spend then all it, that time being told, "No, no, that's the hard one. That's the hard one." And when it you comes ask to for it, for a
1: miracle, I give you the FBI.
0: Yeah. Because Hans Gruber is a is a smart guy, and I guess that's the point of the movie is he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you <laughs> meddling John McClane.
2: Although his plans really start going awry extremely early in the film, and it just, it just gets worse and worse as it goes along. And yet what's interesting is that his plan continues to unfold in almost exactly the way he had hoped it would.
0: I, I do notice that they seem, in watching it again, that they seem a lot less concerned about the fact that many of their compatriots in this mission are dead. <laughs> As it goes along, like you know, really in the end, the four core guys are like, yeah, you know, other than the one who loses his brother, right? <laughs> Everybody right. else is like, yeah. Carl well, is very upset those about those three his guys brother. are
2: dead, and, ah, and whatever, yet more early in the film, Carl almost blows the whole thing by cutting through the the pipes with his uh, chainsaw while the other guy's still working on the phone lines.
0: Yeah,
1: that scene never made really that much sense to me.
0: <laughs> you know, like he wants to move it along, so he's just going to cut it and make the other guy work more, work faster. I-
1: yeah, it's maybe a sibling maybe it's a sibling bit. rivalry, yeah. That's what it okay, is. Okay, so very, there's a lot of depth here that I don't think we've explored. Hmm.
0: <laughs> so, so so Argyle.
2: What's the e. deal with, what's the deal with Argyle? Well, Emmanuel Lewis was looking for a role. Oh <laughs> and... no. No? It's not Emmanuel Lewis. Oh, well now you're going to tell me the other guy is not Steve Urkel.
3: The no, hacker.
0: that 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 no, that's Urkel, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Reginald Vell Johnson was the tip-off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Our guy, our guy. I mean, he's sort of there for comic relief, right? But he also oh, yeah. spends a lot of the he also spends a lot of the movie not doing much.
0: No, he's down there talking to his girlfriend and lying about where hanging out where with he the is. bear,
1: drinking out of the bar oh, in the, the back of the limo. the bear. What what role does the bear play? I mean, come on.
0: Stuffed bear in the back of a limo. The guy who plays the bear is great.
1: It's a great
2: bear. Now, I'm trying to remember if there's – if the bear makes an appearance in the final scene when they get into the limo instead of an ambulance for some reason and drive off.
1: <laughs> oh, there's all I – mean, if you had the choice. A wrecked limo too. Like how fast can it even go? It got smashed.
2: The whole
0: front
1: is smashed. It's a little crap. It's a little smushed in the front, but come on.
2: Yeah, it's true. He, he piles into the van. He drives through the gate, which for some reason stopped him previously. When he was when he realized the terrorists had taken over the building oh, and he was trying well, to find a way he out, he didn't want to wreck
0: any... the, the limo then, uh, but then it was wrecked, right? So
2: I, I'm not sure that uh, are you questioning
0: Argyle's judgment?
2: No, I'm not. Argyle is he, is infallible.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, he has to invoke it, just like the Pope. That's right.
2: Maybe he's just juiced up because he he took out the uh, the other dude, the Urkel. Yeah, I and mean, child correct. star on child star violence is really ugly too. I got to say.
0: <laughs> so Al Powell uh Reginald Vel Johnson, right? Yes. Overacting
2: uh, unbelievably incidentally. Oh, but he's great. He's wonderful. I I wouldn't have it any other way, but the, his line readings are so over the top. And
0: and he's, he's like the most he's the typical cop, right? He's the fat donut I Shot a kid. buying cop <laughs> He Don't laugh a, at that man. Come I, on, I, he shot a kid. I'm surprised that he didn't shoot a kid on like the day before the kid was going to retire
1: or something. They can oh,
2: teach man. you almost yeah. anything at the academy, but Except they can't teach you how to move on or whatever it is.
1: <laughs> Live with a mistake. Live with a mistake. That's, that's right. Right.
0: We meet him at the at the convenience store buying junk food.
1: Right, but immediately, even though he is the typical cop, right? Like, we're that's kind of diffused by the fact that he, you know, he brings all the stuff and he that. The guy at the behind the counter is looking at him like, I thought you guys just ate donuts. For my wife, she's pregnant. Uh-huh, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, the, it kind of acknowledges, okay, we're kind of being stereotypical. But, you know, this guy isn't really stereotypical. Except he is. He kind of uh, is. <laughs> I
0: mean, he's competent, right? He He's competent compared to everybody else at the parking lot.
1: Well, everybody else is ridiculously incompetent. Get the car! Get right? the car! Get the car. You know, the, Send in the car. My favorite thing is that the, the SWAT team is totally incompetent, right? There's a scene where they walk through like like rose a bunch bushes. Of thorny, yeah, rose bushes. You're, like, out, ow. You're like this is the worst SWAT team ever, right? Like they do not come off well at all. I mean, you know, and that's one of those elements that sort of makes this all it's it's very, you know, I'm not sure I would give it enough credit to say it's very satirical at, uh, in its outlook of like the police, but It certainly ain't complimentary. Oh,
0: I would. I would. I I think actually one of the things that surprises me in watching this movie now is just how much of it is a satire. Um, Because it's not just the cops, right? Right. It, there's this whole media satire where we keep coming back oh, to the yeah. TV station.
2: Right. I mean, it's at least 50% a comedy movie. I mean, even oh, the yeah. action oh, scenes are so filled absolutely. with one-liners. I
1: mean, the, the, Bruce Willis got this because he was, he was a comedian at the time, right? He was right. a comedy actor. He was in Moonlighting, yeah.
2: Right.
0: I and, mean, oh, this, is,
1: this is the movie that made him an action star. Previous to that, he was not really bankable as a as any sort of action star. It's the movie that gave
2: him a career beyond what he was destined for at that point, which was maybe I don't know another year and a half of romantic comedies before he got too bald to make that work. Right. Right. So I, I really hope he sends Joel Silver a real nice Christmas card every year. Every year uh,
0: he gets you know, a fruit basket,
2: Hanukkah card, or whatever.
0: The um. So so the the TV news. It's fascinating because they've got this really broad um, Helsinki, Sweden. Yeah, well, the, so so the, first off, but, it's Stockholm syndrome. Yes, right, right. right so right. then they call it Helsinki syndrome, which is weird. And then he well, says, the, "I think they're making
2: fun of the expert there before they get to making fun yeah. of the, the
0: news." I guy. didn't
1: know if they were that or they were just trying to like maybe we shouldn't talk about Stockholm syndrome. It's very weird, right?
0: Right, and it's and it's confusing
1: and and but the, the anchor man is an
0: idiot, and and then there's William Atherton who seems you know, smarter, but he's a jerk, and he's of course because it's William Atherton, and he's right. feuding with the with the anchor man for some reason. Reason, and Shanghai's a camera crew and they Who end up Who incidentally reacts Plaza. a
2: hell of a lot worse to Eat at Harvey than any man really should. <laughs> I end up all, all my conversations with that.
0: Greg Noss joins us. Argyle has returned from
1: the parking garage. Welcome to the party, pal.
3: <laughs> Thank you.
1: It's, some of the movies tend to blur together a bit in my head. There being, you know, multiple, except for the last one, which, although not a, not as terrible a movie as I thought it would be, is is by far the worst of the four. You really think so? You, you really Do think? I really think
0: that the Die yeah. Hard, Live Through or Die Hard is worse than Die Hard with a Vengeance.
1: Oh yeah, oh huh. yeah, yeah, totally. I read a review. I was reading a, a post on this the other day, and I, I you know. I can't remember most of what happened in, in Live for Your Die Hard. It like it's well, there's computers evil, evil uh, computer hackers. <laughs> I mean at least at least Die Hard with a Vengeance Head, Samuel L. Jackson, Jeremy Irons. You know, it had running around New York, you know, with those sort of puzzles and stuff like that. It also had, you know, the bank heist, had some really good lines. But it wasn't It's Christmas.
2: really a pity they chose to uh, kill off Alan Rickman at, up with old spoiler horn. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the end of Die Hard.
3: What? Oh my god! The, the, they never show his body.
1: That's he also true. like like every great villain, like every great villain, he dies by falling from something really tall, right? I, I can't believe left. you
3: would want him to live. That would ruin the movie.
1: Well, you know, you could have thought he died and then have him reappear.
3: No, 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 no that's, that's what Carl's
2: for. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, the, one, the most ridiculous thing in this movie
0: for me is the fact that they kill Carl and he just randomly comes back <laughs> to life so that they can kill him again.
1: <laughs> I didn't actually – I had never thought about how ridiculous that was until this time because my parents watching it sort of rolled their eyes at this. Like, really? I'm like – I remembered that he came back, but I, I always sort of forgot when he came back how badly – McLean had beat the crap out of him, right? He like he wraps a chain around his neck and throws him against a wall. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 he's well he dead, did, man. He, did <laughs> he did less
2: than he said he would. He told him he was gonna fucking uh kill him, fucking cook him, and <laughs> fucking, fucking eat, him. eat him. The only thing he said he wouldn't do was fucking shit him out and fucking uh clear his stink molecules with some fucking glade air freshener.
3: They missed a product placement, apparently.
2: I always thought it would be good if, at the end, you know, that whole triumphant scene where Carl appears, and then and then Al, you know, gets his mojo back and and takes him out, you know, uh, having cleared his finally cleared his mistake of shooting the kid. If it had turned out that Carl was brandishing a toy gun,
1: <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me postulate
2: that not that again. You See
1: this this whole movie. <laughs> You can see this whole movie as though Carl is the protagonist. Oh. Uh. Did I just blow your mind? I'm not seeing no. it, Dan. No. His brother gets killed, man. This is about vengeance. He wants blood. It's Die Hard with a vengeance is what you're saying.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's the third. That's his brother gets killed too. Die Hard 3.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of civilians. There's
3: though. there's whole generations of terrorists that are going to come after John McClane. If there's anything actually.
1: good about Carl, it's that he was played by the delightful Alexander Goodenough, who apparently wasn't good enough to go on to anything else. Well, he was a dancer. Yeah, that was his gig. Yeah, a
2: very well known, very good one too. Yes, he did, he did not get to showcase that at all, really. Well, he gets some <laughs> some nice high kicks in at the end in his fight with the uh, with John.
0: Yeah. I guess. I, I, I don't he he's one of those immortal action movie villains who you know, I guess you gotta have that. Well you got the you got uh, the
1: brainy guy and then you got the brawny guy, right? Like the henchman.
0: Yeah, then but then you've got a half dozen sort of completely convertible Euro Trash villains who are there. Yeah, to be some of them killed. are from
1: some of them are Italian, some of them are German.
2: Yeah, you really have every Euro Trash archetype going on there. You got yeah. your big bulky German guys, your sort of Russian y dude.
0: So so here's a scene that I I really appreciated that I, I um in watching it again was um there's the, the scene, scene where the guy steals the candy
1: what what yeah. the scene oh, yeah, where guys, got, the guy the guy up the machine gun and he steals the candy from oh, under oh, the glass oh, oh yeah, he
0: gets he gets the candy from the little shop in the in the, yeah. in the in the lobby of the plaza and then runs back to his post and then is killed but he yeah. he dies he Spring dies having chunks eaten of a,
1: nougat and, uh, a and big rice everywhere chocolate
0: bar yeah That is strange. That wasn't what I was thinking, Dan. But that is sorry. Hit
1: didn't mean to hijack.
0: A very strange scene. Um, no, where uh, where uh, Alan Rickman does his American accent and and throws himself upon the mercy of John McClane as somebody who's escaped from the uh...
3: Bill Clay.
0: Yeah, that that's um that's a great scene, and I like that scene because there not only do we have uh what's a really smart plot twist, which is uh you know. Showing that Hans Gruber is is a very smart guy and he's figured out a way to 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 uh, get one over on John McClane, but that you also see you know well, does is McClane going to figure this out? Which he does. When does he? Uh, and then there's the interplay when they're trying you know to sort of feel each other out and see if if you know if he's really who he says he is. And that's just such a great scene, and it's one of the few scenes where where they're face to face, if not you know the only.
3: One of the things I like about that scene is that when Hans Gruber claims to be Bill Clay, John McClane looks over at, an, at a, like a, 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 a building address board and there's a William Clay there and, you know, to check out that the name is real. But that means Hans had the foresight to go ahead and look at that like as he walked into the room or just as part of the ambient what he's noticing. Right, because he's clearly not looking at it in that scene.
1: Right, right. He can't even see it. He's in. He's he's not. He's sort of in the behind just him. next to it and facing away from. Well, it's a great that scene and, out,
3: that it. fleshes out his background. Every room he walks into, he, he scouts the room for when he's going to need something later.
1: Well, he really is like he's the mastermind, right? Like it's totally he's his operation. It's is second clearly, nature. It's all planned. Like everything is sort of perfectly. I mean, without being like saying stereotypically German, but like there is that whole like it's like <laughs> clockwork, right? You know, his whole. This is the plan. We're going to wait for the FBI guys to show up. They're going to cut the power. That's going to let us get in here. We're going to blow up the roof so that they think we're all dead. We're going to take the the, the car, truck, or the ambulance and drive out. You know, nobody will know we were here.
3: He is um, the most brilliant, most efficient, most vicious, unluckiest terrorist ever.
0: <laughs> and not even a terrorist. Uh, just a fake fake terrorist.
3: I got invited to the party by accident. If McLean had missed his plane or been in traffic or the whole plot goes perfectly.
0: Well, it's really if Mr. Takagi doesn't think, hey, I've got an idea. I'll send Argyle to pick him up and bring him to the party because Holly's been working very hard. And also uh, as a as a Japanese businessman, I feel very strongly that the estranged husband and the wife should get back together. I don't really know but Takagi's motivation in hiring a limo. <laughs> Or is Argyle just a rent? a nice guy. Is, is Argyle a renta limo driver, or is he Takagi's limo driver?
1: It is his first time driving a limo. Right, that, right. He used to be a ta- he used to be a cab driver.
0: Well, it's New Year. It's our Christmas Eve, right? So how many?
1: Maybe he's just filling in.
0: Is it Christmas Eve?
1: Yeah, is not it? Or is it just? No. I thought it was Christmas Eve.
0: It's the holiday party before Christmas, but I'm not sure it's actually. No one, one does that
2: on Christmas Eve, though.
1: Right. Not even the Japanese.
0: Only in Gremlins, where the kids are going to school. Of course, but, there, school. but there's
1: nobody else there, right? Like the whole building shut down. Nobody else is right. around.
0: Well, it's there. It's still under the construction, building. right? And they're they're building it, so it's not completed yet. Which is why there's all that room for action scenes up in the upper floors.
1: I want to put in a good word, and this might sound strange, but I want to put in a good word for Alice. Oh, he's because awesome! It, despite being a stupid, like a goddamn stupid schmuck. <laughs> Uncope. He does do. He has one very redeeming quality, which is that he doesn't give up Holly, right? And that he, he he claims to Hans when trying to negotiate and get sort of John to like you know give himself up so that they can all try to go home or whatever. Or so his misguided plan is, he, which is uh, actually what tells, ends up getting him killed. Is is right? That one, well, he that tells Hans positive? that uh, that John's a friend of his.
3: You Maybe know? we'll and find somebody he, you do care about.
0: Yeah, I can yeah. give him to you," he says, and and, and you you are led to believe that Ellis is selling out Holly, because he's had this conflict with Holly, where he's like, oh, it's because your husband he's ruined everything." But he doesn't sell he doesn't sell him out. He doesn't sell her out. That and uh, you know, so he's a jerk, but he doesn't um turn Holly into a hostage, and he gets uh
2: he gets well, killed. Wait, for he it. does sell McLean out because he gives up. Oh, his oh name. absolutely, right, absolutely. right, but not. Holly. He doesn't sell Holly out because he's trying to get in her pants. So I'm not yes. sure you can really call that a positive. He's a,
0: that's a hero, man. No.
3: <laughs> if Die Hard hero, had, I think they... if Die Hard has a problem, it's that a lot of these ancillary characters, the 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 douchebags, are complete irredeemable douchebags. The, <laughs> that's what makes him the, so great. the The, the deputy police, uh, the reporter, the FBI guys, Ellis. They they are. I mean, while I think McLean and Hans are really, really well fleshed out, realistic people, smart guys, everybody else is is almost a parody.
0: Well, that that's the you know something that we might have been talking about before you came on is this this strange dichotomy in this movie where there are parts of it that are pretty straight and actiony and really great, um, and then there are these parts that are really weird, broad satire and funny, but a little bit. Uh, Dissonant from the rest of the movie because yeah
3: RoboCop is that way too RoboCop has Huge wide satire And then there's some really great action scenes It feels like two different Movies not Die Hard So much but RoboCop
1: well I mean I think the part of that where Die Hard comes from the fact that This was adapted from a book Basically which was a lot more straight Laced as far as it goes I went And read about this before you know In in looking stuff up About this because um yeah, there's a whole different sort of. It, it borrows very heavily from the book, but they change very like certain key things, including like instead of uh, Holly is the Holly character is actually his daughter instead of his wife, and Ellis is her boyfriend, basically. But a lot of the characters are actually um, pretty similar, and they apparently take a lot from it. But I guess I think a lot of the satire elements probably came in later on in the process, and so I think there is a reason that it feels very very conflicted about that in some ways.
3: Did you know that the book is a sequel to another book yes. that was the source for a 1968 Frank Sinatra movie? <laughs> I did not. Frank Sinatra was the original John McClane. Wow. You just and, blew it, my mind. It, it's, it's called The Detective. It's not supposed to be very good. The guy who wrote the book that the detective was based on wrote the second book as a sequel intending to make it into a movie, and Sinatra passed. And then 20 years later... Bruce Willis made it.
0: Wow. They're very much alike those two. Yes. <laughs> they both they both recorded albums. They've both acted in films. They're both 20th they both century had, American men.
3: They've both had people killed.
1: I I like that further than that. Die Hard 2 is also based on a book but by a totally different author. Yeah. It's like they couldn't just come up with an idea for it. We've
3: already made the first movie. <laughs> well, look Look what they did when they came up with ideas, the third and fourth movies. <laughs> I'd much rather have a book that has somebody like who's thriller. disinterested in the franchise building a plot. One of the things that makes Die Hard stand out for most action movies is the plot makes sense. Yeah, that's everybody's true. smart. It has to stand alone as a book without the whole apparatus of a movie stars and and franchise around it. And then if you start with that, you can go ahead and make a good movie after you tack all the other crap onto it.
0: You know, I think I think one of the reasons why we saw so many movies that were Die Hard in an in an X right a- afterward is is the I'm not sure whether it's true or not, but I think there's a perception that the the fact that this is set in a confined space with a confined set of characters. And the fact that this movie has a p- very tight plot, and it goes it was from a stage play. Yeah, it goes from item to item to item, um, th- and whether those two are are perfectly connected or or not, I think is arguable. But um, I think that's why we saw a lot of this, because that's one of the great strengths of Die Hard. Right, is that it all, you know, it all follows and and. Every action that happens really leads to the next action, and you never you never have that real sag, I think, where you're thinking, oh, well, now what? And then there's a new complication that comes in. I mean, yes, the, the police come, but you know that they're always going to come, and they come fairly early. Um, so, As it
3: turns out necessary.
0: Yes,
2: as it turns out. Because well, we, the police are pretty useless, actually.
0: It's oh, they're just completely the FBI
3: that,
2: that they need. But I guess you got to get one before you get the other.
0: Well, right, and that that plays against the uh, that plays up how uh, what a genius Hans Gruber is, right? Because he wants the police to come, he wants them to call the police, he wants the police to be there, he wants the FBI to come, um, and so all of these action movie tropes of like uh, you know we got to get out of here, oh no the cops are here, now we're trapped in the bank. Um, for Hans Gruber, he he wants all of the bad things to happen because he's that smart. Is that he's playing against. The expectations. That's one of the great things about the movie. And then, of course, then there's Bruce Willis, who's the monkey in the wrench.
3: <laughs> you know you say the monkey not, in the wrench? That's, that's the line. That's he's the, the fly line. In the oint-
1: he's the fly in the ointment, the, the monkey oh, in the okay, wrench. okay, right, right. Hop
3: in the conference room. That's right. Um, now that's the, Clue. The other thing that I – I don't know if you guys have covered this, but the other thing I like about this movie compared to other action movies of the era is that Bruce Willis appears to be at least marginally human. Uh, this is the same thing with Indiana Jones is he uh-huh. can get hurt. He can get scared. He can, he, yes, we did. I guess you've been over this. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's a, no, that's okay. We can, we can go back there too because you welcome to the party again, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. The, the, it's the vulnerable hero where he, there, there's some, there's a scene where he's like punching his way through a, a, a wall or a piece of glass or something like that. And you can see him wince and mm-hmm. he like, doesn't want to do it, but he knows he has to,
3: you know, well, the whole audience cringes every time he pulls the glass out of his feet oh, God, in the bathroom. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and, and that's so great to have the vulnerable hero. So he's smart. He's vulnerable. He's competent because he's like this cop. But you know, that's not – that explains why he
1: can do gunplay and it has some. Street he's not smarts.
3: Stallone, but, he's not Schwarzenegger,
1: right? Well, I mean, he's, look at him in that last scene, right, where he comes down, Hans. You know, like he's gotten the <laughs> crap kicked out of him. He's been shot he, by that point too. He'd yeah. been shot in the mm-hmm. shoulder. shoulder. He'd been beaten the crap out of by Carl, like in that whole like you know, like brawl in the in that room with all the pipes and the boards or whatever. I mean, he'd run <laughs> over glass. He you know, he'd done everything.
3: There's a scene in the second movie where they're they're. Um, escorting people down this empty airport hallway. Whoa, whoa, the the
1: second movie? How can the same (laughs) thing happen to the same guy twice?
3: Why does this keep happening to us? (laughs) Um, And the terrorists are a fake painting crew and they open fire in this ambush. And McLean is trapped under, I think, the the painting scaffolding. And the gun is out of reach. And the terrorist is walking down the moving hall, moving stairway, moving um, walkway towards him. And he flips the power on and the gun starts moving towards him. And that was my favorite scene in the second movie because it was something that was so unexpected as a moviegoer. But totally natural and totally something a smart character would do. Yeah,
1: absolutely smart.
0: So what do we what do we think of the uh that second movie? I you know, I, I think at the time people were impressed that it was actually a pretty good movie when everybody assumed the sequels were going to be lousy. And it is implausible in in many ways that this would happen to that guy again. But um you know, it was a very successful movie on top of everything else. I mean,
1: it's not it's it's obviously I think we most of us would probably agree it's not to the same caliber as Die Hard, but it's still entertaining much better than it could have been. The sole thing I remember about it,
2: having seen it in the theater and then not since, is that it wasn't complete crap.
1: That's he it. He stabs a guy in the face with, the, with an icicle at some point.
3: You know,
1: <laughs> there was a plane. I remember that. was a for like, that
3: me. Well, the, the plane crash was, I mean, devastating at the time. It was. I remember coverage of how violent movies were that season, and they ranked the body count of all the action movies that came out, and Die Hard ranked up in the 300s because of the Jumbo Jetliner crash.
0: Right, uh, flown by uh, Cole by from uh, Star Trek. Chief O'Brien <laughs> crashes a plane and everybody dies. <laughs> and well,
3: then, and uh, Give that guy a uh,
1: transporter.
3: McClane, McClane Holl- is wandering the through the
0: records.
1: Richard Thornburg, which is pretty great.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, William Atherton. God, I love that guy. He is so great in... And all that stuff. He he. I just saw him. He was on an episode of Lost, and I, you, you're not going to believe this, but he was playing a kind of a jerk.
2: I find that hard <laughs> to believe. You're right.
0: It's amazing. It's... Mind blown. <laughs> I know that that guy. So the original the original Die Hard was directed by John McTiernan, who also
1: directed Die Hard with a Vengeance, I believe. Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah. and then I think recently did some time and is now yes. out on bail. <laughs>
1: There's a great reference to him if you ever watched. Um, did you ever watch Alias? Yes, the JJ Abrams show. Absolutely. There's a reference in one episode. That's a Die Hard-like episode where, um, so they're pull up in like a like a HVAC like van or something, and it's called like McTiernan Repairs or something. It, it's a nice little you know tip of the hat.
0: So so I guess if we talk about the cultural significance of Die Hard, um, beyond it being the greatest Christmas movie ever, right, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. You know, families gather around the hearth on Christmas Eve to watch. Uh, You've Bruce. never sung a rousing round of Yippee Ki Yay, motherfucker. <laughs> I have. Okay, now before, so before I get to what I was going to say, I'm going to point out if you haven't seen the Die Hard music video on YouTube by the the <laughs> band Guys Night. Um, that is a, that is a great video. Please go see it because it's an original song about the Die Hard franchise, including those famous words as the chorus. And uh, boy. <laughs> try to listen to that and then not sing it for the next five days and <laughs> they put it out down loud. at
1: one point too which was really frustrating because of all the clips then the. They, they had a whole music video with the clips and everything i don't know did they put oh, that all oh back it's up? all back up oh good including good.
0: a fourth verse for uh die hard with a vengeance yes.
3: or live, live free and die or live
0: hard. free and die hard where they say we don't we haven't really seen it but we're pretty sure that john McClane
3: kicks ass that's how the song have ends. you talked about have you guys talked about the fifth one yet I, it the what is, now? It isn't I know the they're fifth Die Hard movie. They've been talking in, about the
0: what? Huh? Now is this like the Crystal <laughs> Skull? It's a practical joke and it doesn't really exist. Yeah, this is the Caddyshack <laughs> two of
2: Die Hard films. Uh,
0: so, are they doing a? Uh, you know, have, I I enjoy the fourth one as an action movie, just as a straightforward action yeah. movie. I, you know, I would. I, I think that's I I'm I'm okay with that. Bruce Willis is J- a lot of fun.
3: They are currently working thing. on the script.
0: Justin
1: Long was not terrible. No. No. I actually really like, I I will say my credit goes to uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead who played uh, John plays uh, the grown up Lucy McLean John McLean's daughter in the first really? one and more recently was in Scott Pilgrim right
0: and she's um she's uh what what uh what's his name Justin Long is her boyfriend right
1: is that well
0: right?
1: in
3: in the movie? not at the beginning
0: not
1: the beginning. I mean no there's
0: oh do they do they oh that's right okay. But they learn important lessons about each other during the during sure, the movie. Sure, sure, that's
1: right. Uh, I was going to say I was going to comment based on your ears, you said John started talking about John McTiernan directing the first one. I think you know the second one was directed by Renny Harlan. I believe. Directed, yeah, directed Highlander.
0: Is that correct? And Cutthroat Island.
1: So you know you can you can see sort of the
0: pedigrees. The um, so what I was getting at earlier before we took those tangents was um the influence of this movie in the sense that there were countless movies and tv shows afterward that basically took this plot of put a put a hero put a character lock them in a in a difficult situation in an enclosed space and, with bad guys and see what happens um, episode of well, buffy
2: yeah so there's an episode of, of action there's
0: an episode of buffy the vampire slayer called school hard which is what you'd think they get locked in the school
3: I think of something completely different when I hear those I words. know
0: you do. See, there you go, Greg. You got it in there.
3: You got <laughs> so it. to speak. So to speak. <laughs> oh! oh. Uh, this episode
0: is rated R, clearly. Uh, there's an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where Captain Picard oh, gets yeah. locked on the Enterprise all by himself and has to has, to, has to... Well,
3: uh, it's being cleaned.
0: Well, it's being uh, deck, you mean by a death. <laughs> by that's a right. That's right. Beam. It kills
1: everything, doesn't it? Yes. The little laser goes around. I forgot yeah. that episode. That's
3: terrible. And well, you he know, climbs up into the front of Ten Forward to avoid it right before it's turned well, off.
0: I was go- I was going to say they have to run that like every six months or Ten Forward starts to smell like a swamp. <laughs> <laughs> you got to run the beam that kills things.
3: You have well, no has, idea what Guinan keeps behind the oh, bar.
0: <laughs> she's actually not very good at her job, and well, <laughs> she's really old. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. And Dr. Crusher's quarters, by the way, whew, that place is a, is a pigsty. It was sad when Data left his cat on board when they were doing the sweep. He came back and there it's was a little skeleton. Spot was never seen again.
1: No. Spot a became little... a spot on the floor. Yes. Um, I was going to say my favorite, one of my favorite Die Hard homages was in the short-lived series The Middleman. There's an episode where they get locked in their, their headquarters um, and they have to crawl through the front. And it's full of, in fact, Die Hard references, including my what a great quote. It's like Die Hard in a building. Yeah. Um, and she <laughs> crawls through the vents and even does a Bruce Willis impression. Hey, come out to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, good one. And then the most, uh, and then the paintball episode of Community. This sitcom had a had a nice diehard bit at right. the end of it.
0: Right, and I I think of the of the movies that have been made. I, I mean, I mentioned Speed earlier. I think Speed is even though it's not quite the same as the. The movie, I would say, is almost most like Die Hard in the sense that not only was it a good movie, but it was kind of akin to it in in its high concept setup and yet also having a payoff.
3: Ebert um, gave Die Hard two stars out of four when it first came out, wow. complaining mostly about the broad secondary characters. And then he gave um, Speed 2, Cruise Control, three stars. <laughs> wow. Just goes to show you. That's like Even Die Hard on a, was high on, the 80s. on a
0: cruise ship. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yes, we can't slow down the boat or it explodes.
0: Well, they they had that. There's a scene where the cruise ship is coming at the dock and it's supposed to be very exciting, except it looks like it's not moving
1: at all. It's going like 5 miles an hour. I just scrolled down the Wikipedia entry for Die Hard and under the See also section, the first entry is Die Hard film series. Fine. The second entry is films considered the greatest ever. <laughs> Not even the greatest Christmas. What else version. is on that? No, list. No, no, it's just great. I, 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 mean, I'm kind of scared to click on that. I'm worried that Speed Two might also be on it.
3: <laughs>
1: is it maybe of their kind? Is sort of crept off the end of the screen there. Or? It is very extensive. Wait, wait, Chris. There is a Christmas section. Oh, well, there's a Christmas section. section that does not have Die Hard in it. Oh, jeez. So since since this is a a holiday
0: holiday movie themed. Uh, Podcast. I i before we go, I i also wanted to ask: Do you have any other? If if Die Hard isn't, let's put it in its own category. Any other favorite Christmas movies? Things that you watch on a regular basis around the holidays?
1: Any of you? Yeah. Well, now I'm. Yes, that I, psychological
3: I, um, drama where Jimmy Stewart goes insane. Ah, uh, Harvey. That's right. Is <laughs> the worst freaking
2: life ever, and yet we are led <laughs> yeah, to yeah. believe that it is wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of
1: wonderful. It's
0: it's all happening in his head as he plunges to his death, right? That's the yes, movie.
1: yes.
3: It's it's the occurrence at Alcreek Bridge with Clarence oh, the Angel.
1: <laughs> I will give you my my second favorite Christmas movie of all time, which is Santa Claus Conquers the Martians.
3: Wow, with
1: Drabo. Well, yeah, Drabo and it's and, the clumsiest Pia, self and ever. Pia
0: Zadora. Yeah, as a child but before before she bought her Golden Globe. Yes, good
2: knowledge. I have, uh,
0: I've uh, only the seen the Mister Science version. Theater 3000. I, as
1: have that. I. That's the only version worth watching.
2: <laughs> you know, at this point, it's it's kind of passé to say Christmas story, so I'll skip that. But I will say that I have recently <laughs> added to the list of films that I watch fairly regularly at the holidays, uh, Elf. Oh,
0: Elf. We watched that – we broke that out with my kids last week who are nine and six, and they – thought it was hilarious and it is a funny movie but the kids the kids loved it too and it stuck with my son because we were actually watching miracle on 34th street which is my wife's favorite holiday film and i really like it a lot and there's Mm. a scene in a mail room and my son says this isn't at all like the mail room in elf
1: I, I will say, honest to goodness, the "Miracle on Third 4th Street" the original is is probably my other favorite Christmas. Wait,
0: wait, the original? Did they remake that one too? Oh, they did remake no. it many times.
1: Poorly. Don't
0: no. Go to the original.
1: We actually have the DVD, and it
0: it offers the color version as well as yes. the black and white Pre-col- version. No color version is better.
1: No, the the black and white version is superior. Black and white all the way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: But Elf is a great Elf is a lot of a lot of fun. Although I can't watch Elf without thinking that James Caan. You know, just needed the money, but he's he's good.
2: He's very good in it. Well, but, you needed a curmudgeon.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just it's come to that with James Con
2: But I mean, you know, it's a good film when the heart. You know, it's got so much heart that the infernal mugging of uh, oh, why is his name not coming to mind? Will, Will Ferrell. Uh, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell doesn't drive you absolutely up the wall.
0: No, that that's one of it the doesn't? Good Will Ferrell movies where where it's it's a, a character that is a perfect fit for him committing to just go all the way with it where where in other movies you're like really Will Ferrell that one you know Buddy the Elf really is designed for somebody like Will Ferrell and then Bob Newhart is in that movie and is a lot of fun any other favorite uh,
1: holiday fair you know Charlie Brown Star Wars
2: holiday
0: special uh,
1: if I could reach you through this
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, incidentally if you get the opportunity to pick up and, and watch the riff tracks for that it is phenomenal so Probably they're time. Their I don't, I don't know if effort. I could
1: still put my put myself through that. Yeah, but I in know, it's order wonderful. Watch it, they, you've got to like get the you've got to like BitTorrent the. I, I, they had it like, on
2: Google Video, and it's you can find it around. the The beauty of it is they actually do the commercials as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got you know these these uh, look for the Union Label kind of uh, you know Union song <laughs> wow. ads that you don't get anymore. That they, they back when there were on. unions. <laughs> Of course uh, toy commercials for things that just look unbelievably idiotic and they they point that out. So it's it's a nice break between uh, B Arthur singing 45 minute songs and and <laughs> Harvey Korman embarrassing himself and and probably about five future generations of Kormans with hey, his performance. You
0: remember when the Star Wars Christmas special was the thing that George Lucas had the most to be embarrassed about?
2: <laughs> good times. Well, the, oh, the good old days! Wow. Right up
1: till about 1998. He you know? still thinks it is. That's how you know he's over the edge. Do Doctor Who Christmas specials count? Yeah, sure. There we go. Doctor Who Christmas. Doctor Who.
0: You have a favorite?
1: Um, I I think I think the uh, in some ways the first David Tennant the one. Christmas Invasion. Yeah, it's pretty great. I just I like the end of it. I like the the David Tennant sort of you know he
0: saves the world like, in in a pair of pajamas.
1: Well, and also it's, it's his defining moment, right, as, as the Doctor is establishing why he is not Christopher Eccleston. And he's sort of discovering it at the same time. Um, I always enjoyed that. No second, no second chances. I'm,
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring out uh, Charlie Brown just because I, I thought that the Charlie Brown, which we, we all probably loved as kids. And I can just tell you from my kids that uh, it still works. Uh, it shocks me that a cartoon from the late '60s would still work on kids, but um, it's pretty great. It works. The Grinch still works. Yeah, I'm not sure the Rankin Bass the... stuff from the '70s still works.
3: No. Nah. well the the, the Jim Carrey live correctly. action Grinch s- scared my children. It put them off movies for at least a year and a half. They were terrified. It
1: scared me. What about uh, what but about the, the original uh, Frosty the Snowman?
3: Oh God, talk about terrifying! Oh
1: come on, Happy You get Jimmy birthday. you, get Jimmy don't you? Frosty.
0: Oh. Burl Ives. Is that what Burl Ives? Burl I- no, yeah.
2: Burl no, and Rudolph. Burl, right. Yeah, no, it's Jimmy. I he's, think it's He's the, the uh, Jimmy strangely sliding snowman
3: in Rudolph. No, I think uh, Frosty's Burl Ives. Was it?
1: All right, quick. Yeah, every, Burl sings Silver and Gold, and um, sure find out.
3: he sings Holly
2: Jolly Christmas and, and Silver I, and Gold in Rudolph. He's the snowman. I have, I, I have snowman fond memories
0: anymore. of those, and yet when I've seen them since, they're terrible. Where yeah. while um, the Charlie Brown, I had fears would be the same way, and it's totally not that the Charlie Brown Christmas, especially.
3: Are you dissing the Heat Miser?
0: Oh, you know, I loved I, back when I I only had my memories of I'm Mr. Heat Miser, I'm Mr. Sun. Uh, it, it was awesome, and then I saw the Year Without a Santa Claus, and uh, it's wretched. It's
2: terrible. Did you see the utterly terrifying and uh, even more wretched live-action one that came out a few years back? Oh, no. Oh, my God. I really Se- hope that one never sees the light Seriously? of day again. Oh, yeah. It was bad. I think John Goodman was one of the misers. <laughs> <laughs> <think>. Mr. Food Miser.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, it was bad news. I, uh,
1: I'll put a plug in for the original Home Alone, which is actually not a bad movie. I've never seen that.
0: I'm the only person who was alive during the release of Home Alone who didn't ever see it. Uh, Home Alone is great.
1: It's it's, it's quintessential John Hughes It's film. a pretty great movie. I, I can't speak to the
2: sequels, but... You know, I think at the end, this may be the podcast in which Die Hard was talked about the least. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. We, I don't know how we got here. Um, any any uh, closing thoughts about, about Die Hard? To, to get us back it's there? It's pretty great.
3: I want to tell an anecdote just because uh, Die Hard holds a special place in my life because when it came out, I was um, – I had dropped out of school. The girl I had dropped out of school for had dumped me. I was living with my parents and working at a software, etc. cetera. And um, the only comfort I had was that I could put a gun in my mouth at any point. Wow. And the uh, the local movie theater – Getting a little dark. Now it, now it is like Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, is this
1: like Die Hard's the, like, it's a wonderful life?
3: The, 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 the local movie theater at 11 o'clock on Tuesdays, a buck for any movie they were showing just because it was totally empty and I had nothing else to do. And so I would go to the movies on Tuesdays and I walked into Die Hard not knowing anything about it. And I came out of the theater – Two hours later, at one in the morning, completely jazzed. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was I was quivering, just so excited, so amped up. And I ended up running up three flights of metal stairs in the mall where the movie theater was. And I got to the top of the stairs, and I, I wanted to burst out onto the roof, and the door was locked. So I turned around and walked back down. But I remember that energy. This is a metaphor for
1: your whole life. I'm just picturing this whole scene. Clarence!
3: Clarence!
1: <laughs> I've
0: seen Die Hard now. There, I, there's something to live for. My lip's bleeding.
3: It felt great. (laughs) Zeus's pedals! Zeus's
0: pedals! And on that note, I think we've reached the end of our time here on the Incomparable Podcast, or perhaps we've passed the end, circled back around, and reached it again. But in any case, I think we're done. So I'd like to thank my guests uh, from down in the basement in the back of the limousine next to the bear Argyle himself, Greg Noss. Thanks, Greg.
3: Thanks, Jason.
0: From uh, I don't even know from a from an air vent. It's uh, Steve Lutz. Thanks, Steve.
2: Farewell, sir.
0: And uh, eating a Twinkie down in the parking or in the parking lot outside of Nakatomi Plaza. It's Dan
1: Morin. Yippee ki yay, my friend.
0: <laughs> Until next time. Uh, this is Jason Snell for the Incomparable Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. And we will see you in twenty eleven. This has been the Incomparable Podcast.
1: Visit us at the dot com or not.
3: <laughs> question mark
1: put that at put that at the end of the after you do all the outro music or not <laughs> or will we dun, 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 dun. it's a cliffhanger